Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. Good morning, church. Um, um, so I'm going to be reading the word, and um, when I finish, I will indicate by saying this is the word of the Lord. Please respond by saying thanks be to God. So the reading for today is Colossians 3, um, 22 to Colossians 4, 1. Colossians 3, 22 to Colossians 4, verses one, verse 1. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Shola. Good morning to everyone. It's nice to see us, especially if we are here for the first time. We're so happy to have you. We've been doing uh, a series in the book of Colossians. We're coming again towards the home street now. Um, and, but we've also been looking in, in that at uh, a, a new section. I don't know whether it's new now because we've been doing it for some time. But that Colossians 3 to 4 is sort of a new section um, after Colossians 1 to 2. Colossians 1 to sets a lot of foundations about what it means to be a Christian. And then Colossians 3 to 4 helps us to apply that. And so we've been applying that to the different uh, important relationships in our lives. You know, when I was growing up, um, we, you know, Nigerians, we, we're not that into books. Now we are. But traditionally in Africa, it's been more oral. That's how you um, transfer learning from one generation to the other. Now, funny enough, though, we then took a lot of the British traditions. And so when somebody wanted to tell you something, they normally would come up with these proverbs, aphorisms, and all these different things, you know. Um, so you know this one. To be forewarned is to be? OK. Ah, they brought you people up well. As uh, This one I really hated. As you made your bed, why? Don't cry over. Ah, right. A foolish boy must. You don't know this one. Are you serious? You don't know this one. This is one of my uncles. He said, he said, a foolish boy must remain foolish. You see, the first three I didn't understand. That one I understood. You know, and these things helped us. But one of the more important ones was for, for me was when my dad would drop me off at school. And as I'm just getting about the car, out of the car, he said, come, Femi, remember the son of who you are. Also, I, I always thought it was only me. <laughs> you see, and you know, at one level, that just translates to, it translates to, um, don't get into trouble whilst you're in school. 
that's on one level, that's what it translates to. Don't get into trouble while you're in school. But what's the motivation behind it? Well, one of the ways you could think about it, at least from the way I first thought about it, was make sure you stay focused so that you can earn good grades. Stay focused so that you can earn good grades. That's the motivation to um, staying out of trouble in school. Now, the thing about that, if, uh, that kind of mo that motivation is really, it's somewhat self-centered. It's really about me, about not screwing up my life. But when he says, remember the son of who you are, he's appealing to something higher than myself. He's actually appealing to the family name. Don't go and disgrace us. And so he appeals to the family, something higher than me, something outside of me, to try to alter my present behavior in school. And in many ways, we're all like that. We appeal to higher things to sometimes explain why we're currently doing what we're doing. I'm attending that school because my late mom always wanted me to. I'm setting up this foundation to fight this disease because it took my sister too soon. I'm running for political office because I want young girls growing up now to believe they too can. We want to do certain things now, but we appeal to higher things as the motivation to help us there. And this is what Paul has been doing. You see, at the beginning of chapter one, uh, chapter three, one to four, he summarizes what has been said in one to two. He's saying, look, I'm going to apply, um, I, I want to talk about your relationships in church. I want to talk about your relationships in your marriage, your parenting, and your work. However, I want to appeal to something higher. And the thing he appeals to that is higher is the foundation of Christianity, the gospel. Basically, he says, God, who is three in person, the second person of the Godhead, came as a human being. He died. He rose again. He ascended to the throne of heaven as king and lord of the world and is going to come back. If you believe that, your life should be different. If you believe that, that calls for worship. And then he's saying, if you are worshiping, how does that, in this particular case, translate into your working relationships? You see, in the passage that Shola read for us, in those five, six verses, many times you kept seeing the Lord, the Lord, Jesus Christ as Lord, as Lord. But this Jesus as Lord is Jesus in heaven. And what he's saying, he told us in verses 1 to 4, is that we should have a heavenly mindset. In other words, in our vocational relationships, if you're a subordinate, he wants you to be a heavenly-minded subordinate. If you are a boss, he wants you to be a heavenly-minded boss. And those are the things we want to look at today. All right, We started with foundations last week. I want to get a bit more practical this week. So therefore, we'll be looking at this sermon, 9 to 5 plus, in three, uh, under three headings. One, heavenly-minded subordinate. Two, heavenly-minded boss. And three, heavenly servant master. Heavenly-minded subordinate, heavenly-minded boss, and heavenly servant master. All right, let's go. There's a lot to cover, and we've, we have very little time. So let's go to the first one. Heavenly-minded subordinate. Now, what, let's read 3, 22 to 24 again. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to carry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are 
serving. Um, I, I don't know if you weren't here for the first one. I did, I don't, I'm not going to say all of this now. I encourage you to get the message. But I explained, I know it's slaves that is being said here and masters. We're using it in a boss and subordinate um, way, and I've explained why in the previous sermon. Now, before we get into how Paul wants us to behave, because here he says, slave, obey your earthly masters. This three verses I just read also indicate to us that there is a way not to behave, or there is a way not to be a subordinate. Because he says, just follow the nots, right? In verse 22, he says, not only. And in verse 23, he says, not for. Not only, not for. In other words, if you are not going to be a heavenly-minded subordinate, you are going to be an earthly-minded subordinate. Your obedience is not coming from a heavenly-minded, uh, a heavenly mindset, but it's coming from an earthly mindset. And with that, I want us to identify two types of, um, uh, well, not two types, but two motivations, two different types of motivations that the text shows us for this kind of earthly-minded uh, subordination. Uh, now, um, let's start with the first one. You see it in verse 23, 22. Notice it says, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor. So the first one is pe people, uh, the motivation is people pleasing, right? People pleasers, the identity is uh, deceivers, and we'll see a bit of their description. But why do I say people pleasing? Now, you see where it says curry their favor. Not to curry their favor. Literally in Greek, it is people pleasers, right? People who, who act as people pleasers. So this is why it says that these people, they only work when their boss's eyes are on them. That is, why do they work? They don't work for the reason or the vision of the organization. They don't work because they care about their bosses. They don't work because they care about the work, the quality of the work that they're producing. Why do they work? They work for the eyes of their boss. In fact, it says that their heart is not in it. It says because you should be working with sincerity of heart. That means they have insincere hearts. And you know some of these people, because you are, you are some of them, right? You, 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 you sit up. I, I was, you know, when I, um, the funny thing, I don't want to start revealing uh, stuff about to my staff here, but still, you know how it's very funny? Let me give you bosses um, a tip. You get into the office, right, the office where the others are, and especially those who sit at the back where you can't see their screens. How do you know when they, have, uh, they are not doing, they are doing something else? Because when you come to their screen, you actually see them doing their work. How do you know when? Just as you enter, once you start hearing the mouse clicking, click, 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 you know they've changed it. Right? They've changed it to the other one. Now, I'm not going to tell, don't tell them that I know a command to do it without using the, 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 the cursor, the mouse. But generally, what are people doing? Oh, don't, don't say it. Don't, don't give it to them. But generally, what's happening? They're not working for the reason that they've been given to work. But when their boss is right there, when the eyes are on them, that's why it's called eye service, servicing of the eyes, working for the eyes. When the eyes are on them, all of a sudden, they look like the best workers. 
And so basically what they are doing to please their earthly masters is to be deceiving them. Another one, and we'll find two different types of identity in this motivation. Look at verse 24. Uh, sorry, verse 23. It says, as working for the Lord, not for earthly masters. Then go to 24. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Right? The good ones are working for a reward that is beyond here. But these earthly-minded subordinates, their only concept of a reward is what they are going to get here. Their only concept of reward is what they are going to get here. That is, they work only for their earthly bosses and for the earthly rewards. Now, one example is, oh, sorry, you didn't put the, let's go to, well, we should be on the second one. Oh, yeah, so the motivation for the, um, for the deceiver is, I'll let them see me. All right, so for this, um, Motiv this is the slow, uh, yeah, Earth earthly reward is what should have been there. Earthly reward. Their motivation is the earthly reward, but the identity is the sluggard. Who is the sluggard? Well, the sluggard, since the earthly reward is the only thing that matters, the sluggard is really just working for his paycheck, and he's only going to do the best minimum. Unfortunately, there are many of these people in our civil services, unfortunately, and it shouldn't be. You know what I mean? Like, they won't put in the extra shift. What do I need to do? What is the best minimum I need to do just not to be fired? You know, some people, they make it, you know this person should be working here, but you want to fire them, but they've not actually done anything terrible. But the person isn't putting their shift in. Are they working hard? Not quite, but they are working. They try to do the best minimum to get their salary and their paycheck. They would never want to, if you, if you, if you close at 5, if, if you want to keep them up to 5.15, you have to pay extra, what's that thing? Overtime. All right? You can never call them on a day that isn't normally their work day. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you should make that a practice. But these guys, it's the barest minimum. You have a, present, a presentation deadline to submit tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow. You have a... Um, um, a presentation at a client's place early in the morning the next day. And this guy starts doing the presentation. He can't finish it. Ah, it's 5, 5.30. I'll see you. What about it? It's 5.30. And you can't fire him because he actually came to work 8.30 to 5.30, right? He, he did it. But they are sluggards. They don't really work as hard as they ought to. As long for them as they make their paycheck, they do the barest minimum. On the other hand, though, the opposite, so for them, it is, I'll do just enough. But also, another that is motivated by um, their earthly compensation alone is the workaholic. The workaholic. And for the workaholic is, I'll never do enough. What do I mean? These guys, they work in fear of never achieving their earthly rewards. Now, the earthly rewards, their salary or their investment or whatever, it means everything to them. And so these people, even when they achieve it, they are scared of losing it. So they are working from a place of fear, either because they feel they will never achieve that earthly reward, or having achieved it already, they are so scared that they may lose it. And so these people work against their physical, 
mental, social, and spiritual well-being to achieve or to keep it. You know what I mean by that? There are some people who, honestly, the boss is like, you know you can go home. In fact, after I know, I'm just trying to, hey, but we don't need this thing until three months from now. I need to finish it. They send their boss an email, like, boss, can you quickly respond to this? Where are you? This is Saturday at 7 p.m. I'm at work. Why? <laughs> Sunday, after, huh? Femi says, send the person to me, please. <laughs> I'm going to talk about you in the second point. <laughs> Sunday, they're, they're always constantly working. And the, one, the worst thing about this is that it affects their well-being and their productivity because the law of diminishing returns eventually sets in. At some point, you, work, you put in a lot of effort. It's getting you a certain level of productivity. At some point, you're putting the same amount of effort. It's getting you half the level of productivity. At some point, it becomes the same amount of effort, a percentage. And at some point, because you are limited as a human being, your productivity starts to drop. Rather than living on rest, you live on coffee and energy drinks. So you are there in front of the screen, spending three hours, but you are achieving what you could have achieved in 30 minutes. Because now you are no longer, um, now you are no longer active enough or uh, strengthened enough to achieve what you should be doing. And Paul is saying there is a way. If we are, if our minds are solely based on this earth, all we are trying to achieve is this earthly compensation or we're always trying to please our human masters, if we do that, we will not be the kind of people that God has called us to be. So I should ask you, are you an earthly-minded subordinate? I'm sure you say no. But here are five tests for us, five diagnostic uh, statements to be able to test whether we are earthly subordinates. One, in your office, you are never asked for help. You know what that means? You are never asked for help. That is, there are three people in this team. There are 10 tasks to do. Yemi gets five. Emmanuel gets five. And Gloria gets none. And Gloria thinks it's because she worked hard very, she worked very hard last week. No, actually, it's because people cannot depend on you. You are never asked for help. This is one way they try to make you, this is what you know when they say, making them redundant. They are trying to make you redundant. Because you first made yourself redundant. If you had never asked for help, they're tired of asking you and, for, and you um, failing them. Second, you always ask for help. What are you even doing, Seth? OK, take this one, Dennis. Ah, ah. They, don't, they don't say it that way. But every time. Now, this one is the first step. Actually, we should have done it the other way. This, you are always asked for help. After you failed that enough times, then you move to you are never asked for help. But why is it you they keep bringing? Every task, you know you are, you are brought in there to be um, um, a computer, an IT professional. They've given you so many different things. Now they're asking you to go and buy uh, food for them. If you, are, as in, if you are at that level, just know you should be on your way out. They ask you for everything because you, they, they're just trying to find work for you. Third. Now, you are constantly being subbed. Now, I have to put this because I just learned this word last week Sunday, right? Subbed. Who knows what being subbed is? You don't know. All you old people here. Yes. You should be like us. Subbed. Now, being subbed, apparently, ah, man, Dara, where are you now? I need you. All right, being subbed is like, how do you do it? It's only on Twitter I can use to explain. It's like when somebody is talking about you, but they don't actually talk 
directly to you. Right? So being subbed here is you are constantly being subbed with passive aggressive statements. So it's like this is if that is about, yes, okay, Gloria, I'll see you. I'm going. Gloria says something like, oh, okay, you are going eh, at 5 p.m. All right, okay, okay. Closing time is 5.30, but it's at 5 p.m., you know, passive aggressive, you know. Or, or um, 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 uh, NATO sends an email to Wumi and, uh, no, no, NATO asks Wumi, so have you done that thing? Uh, and she says, which thing? I didn't know I was going to do it. I said, oh, oh, it was just in that email I sent to you. And the reminder after that, but that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> you know, constantly being sobbed, passive aggressive statement. If you are getting a lot of that, you are nothing minded subordinate. Four, you are uniquely being micromanaged. By uniquely, I mean it's not that your boss is a micromanager, it's that it's you that he's micro or she is micromanaging. Like when your boss after you've been working in a place for three years, you send a document and they, as you are trying, no, you don't even send it, you are trying to do the document and they start saying, no, 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 you put that format now, don't, no, put the, no, at the footnote, don't, that, you know what, just move. <laughs> and they are not doing it for other people. That means you're not putting your shift in. You've not learned anything in those three years. Four, uh, five, finally. You spend more time explaining than presenting. What do I mean by that? More time explaining. Explaining why you've not delivered your work than presenting delivered work. You know these people that say, so where is that thing I asked you for? I, I'm getting to it. Uh, this thing is really, it's really difficult. Um, um, I've been trying, I've been honestly, I've been trying. It's the internet. The internet. Or, where is it? I've been waiting. Bola hasn't responded to my email. When did you send the email to her three days ago? Have you sent any reminder? No. But I'm sure she has read it. That's why you have not delivered. So you're always, every time, you're always trying to explain. Most of the time, you're explaining why you've not delivered the work rather than presenting the work that you should have delivered. Whereas God wants us to be heavenly-minded subordinates. When he says, slaves, obey your earthly masters, he's talking about a submission that leads to your productivity at work. Heavenly-minded, uh, whilst earthly-minded subordinates only work for earthly bosses to, to only obtain earthly rewards, heavenly-minded subordinates primarily, wo primarily work for the heavenly boss to also obtain a heavenly reward. Look at what he says in verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as what? Working for the Lord. In verse 24, it says, it is the Lord Christ that you are serving. Now, don't get me wrong. This isn't saying that earthly bosses or earthly rewards don't matter. That would be silly. But he's saying that for heavenly-minded subordinates, their primary targets are transcendent, is a transcendent boss and a transcendent reward. Their real boss or their primary boss is not you. Their primary boss is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that they are serving. And he doesn't give them a salary. In fact, most of the time, you know, people are happy after a while. 
you know, if you work in a place for one year, it's fine. You know, you get a salary, you're okay. If you work in a place five years, you start feeling like, okay, I, I should start having permanent seats. All these new people that just come, they can't just come and sit down. You know, whether all this open plan nonsense, uh, it's all on the cloud. This is my computer. Just leave it. You know, you start feeling like you should have certain a title. By the time it's like seven years, at that point, you have earned the right to send every IT person to buy food for you, every internship, <laughs> you know, to buy food, any, any food that you want. But by 10 years, you start a long service award. They need to give me fridge. They need to <laughs> give me wristwatch clock, all of those things. But here's what, what a lot of people feel bitter about after working for 25 years. At best, what they get is a pension. Before, they used to get what they call a gratuity. That's it. They have no ownership or no equity in the place that they've worked in. The best you can get in this earthly framework, at least in most places, I know some people do give uh, uh, an earthly stake, but the best you can get is your salary keeps increasing, and you may, be, you may spend all of that away. And they may give you a few, um, as I said, a long service award and maybe some perks, but that's the best. But here it says that the reward we get is what? An inheritance. Look at it. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance, that is ownership, stake. Whatever we see that reward that the Lord Jesus Christ is giving, he's saying that this isn't something you can spend away. It is something, it's an ownership, it's a stake. That is why you should work for him. I'm thinking about that. What about him? Today... You work for this boss. The boss is nice, so you put in your best. Tomorrow, that boss finds another job. They bring in, you know how when they change bosses? Immediately, the first thing is resistance. Because you don't know whether this boss is like that. So this other boss you don't like, and so your attitude changes. The next boss comes, you still don't like that one, your attitude remains the same. Another one, you then move companies, you find another boss, you like this boss, your attitude now becomes better. So it changes as your bosses change. However, if the Lord is the boss that never changes, your attitude should remain the same, irrespective of the earthly or human boss that you have. Amen? And so if we have this reward waiting for us at the end of eternity, one that can never be spent, and we have this boss that transcends all other human bosses because he's the Lord of the world, then the heavenly-minded subordinates work with a different kind of attitude. In fact, it's characterized by two things. It's characterized by diligence and integrity. Diligence and integrity. Look at verse um, 23. It says, whatever, and both of them are based on the heart. Whatever you do, work at it with what? All your heart. This speaks about the effort that we put in. We never cheat people for time. We never try to bring in our own business and use it even though you are doing, you know, it's Lagos. We have to have a side ozu, all right? But you don't start bringing in so much of that time into the work you are meant to be doing here. You don't use your company's computer, your company's internet, and your company's time to be applying for another job somewhere. I mean, I mean, honest, think about that. Some people are here that's like, are you sure, Pastor? <laughs> Stop looking at LinkedIn. Look out, I was about to say for research, I was looking for a website for research, and I was about to say Wikipedia, but don't, don't look at Wikipedia for research. 
But the point is, they work at it with all their heart, all their effort. First, and don't say, oh, this boss, you don't know, he's really just demotivated me. Who is your real boss? Jesus Christ. You work at it with all your heart. It's the zeal that they demonstrate. It's the effort that they put in. It's the energy that is being expended. Second is integrity. Notice it says that they work with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Sincerity of heart, the word sincerity there is like the word singleness. When uh, King James talks about uh, if your eye is single, the whole body is full of light. It speaks about focus, focus in one direction, a long obedience in one direction. It speaks about consistency so that the way you work when your boss's eye is on you is the same way you work when your boss's eye is on you. Your work is integrated whether your boss is there or not. It is whole. It is true. You work with integrity. A heavenly-minded subordinate works with diligence and integrity, not because they don't care about the earthly rewards or their earthly bosses, but primarily because they care about their heavenly boss and their heavenly reward. How would you like to have a heavenly-minded subordinate? Or how much would you like to be a heavenly-minded subordinate? All right, let's go to the second one. Heavenly-minded boss. All right, we've, we've bashed the subordinates a little bit, but now let us turn our union minds to the bosses. <laughs> so, now again, it says here, Masters, provide, for your provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. First, I should say, that a better translation is what we get in the ESV than what we read here. And it's not so much the what you provide. It is the, 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 the treatment that comes as a result of that. So ESV says, masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly. Right? Justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So if it's talking about the treatment of your subordinates, it's not just talking about their wages, though that is included. It is also talking about, it's talking about the entire conditions for the employment. So that is both the wages and the environment or, uh, that you provide for them. Remember last week we were talking about a garden rather than a wilderness. Now when you go, when you go in the wrong way on this, we can identify two types of bosses who are earthly-minded bosses. So let's talk about two types of earthly-minded bosses. All right, the first one, the motivation is domination, and therefore they are authoritarian. How dare you refuse to obey me? The authoritarian, um, their disregard for just and fair treatment of their subordinates is blatant. They don't even hide it. They treat, funny enough, even though I've made an apologetic that we can use this um, for boss and employee relationships here. Actually, right now, in this city, there are people that treat their employees like slaves. There's somebody here that even told me that once a boss of theirs said, you are my slave because I pay your salary. I mean, he explicitly said it. So I can call you at any time Anytime, and literally they mean anytime, like 2 a.m., I can send you a text at any time. Why? Because I own you. Why do I own you? Because I pay your wages. 
So this authoritarian is almost like, how dare you? I told you to do this thing, you have to obey me. Not just the wages, but the treatment. Remember in Exodus um, chapter 5, um, the children of Israel are in Egypt. They've been there 400 plus years because Joseph took them there. But now there arose a Pharaoh that did not know Joseph because 400 years is a very long time. He didn't know what Pharaoh and his, uh, what Joseph and his people did for Egypt. And so he didn't like them, and so he made them slaves. They were building Egypt. But then Moses comes. Moses tells Pharaoh, let my people go. He's not very happy about that. They used to build, they used to be given their, um, their straw so that they could build bricks. You know what Pharaoh says? Pharaoh said these people, do you know why they don't have work to do? That's why they're they complaining. You know, asking for, you, you want salary to, your salary to be increased. You want no problem. No problem. You are, you are lazy. I'll show you. Not only do you keep the salary the same, you double the person's work. That's exactly what Pharaoh said. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out. Let us go and sacrifice to our God. You want to go to church. It's because you are lazy. That's why. Make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. It would be like some of these guys who, the laborers that you see, they're the ones that have to go and get their own cement, go and get their own gravel. And yet, they're the ones that mix the whole thing and still the ones that point it. It was crazy. And many times, this is how people work. It's not just the fact that you pay when you pay. Because some of these guys, it's not just that they don't pay. Sorry, it's not just that they make the working conditions very difficult. They don't pay on time. They won't pay you the first month. Then they will now not, they'll pay you half of the second month. And now, so now you are, they owe you half, right? Okay. But then the second month goes, now they owe you one and a half. The third month goes, they still don't pay you two and a half. In the fourth month, they give you a month and a half. And they expect you to be jumping and be happy. And this thing continues. This is why some people, at the end of two years, they are being owed seven, six, seven months salary. So when they give you three months, they now want you. And they'll still be telling you, why did you not come to work on time? Olga, I don't have transport money. How about that? <laughs> Pay me. So they make the working conditions very difficult. A computer is blowing. Uh, why don't you use your own laptop? Ah, are you paying me for the laptop? There's no internet here, but do it at home. In other words, use your own home internet or go and find it. I don't want to hear excuses. It's people that don't want to be leaders are, are the ones that give excuses. No, that's true. There's a true statement to that. But there's another one where you're saying that I should be the one subsidizing your profit making with my own money that you have not actually paid me. And so physically for many people, the working conditions aren't great. The chairs are falling apart, you know, and you don't actually care. In fact, you go to some people's offices, you go through the subordinate's office, you'll be like, now, wow, these people are suffering. And when you open the, the, the Ogar's office, it's like the gate of Valhalla. You know, like, wow. And they said, you know, you need, you need, I need, I need the environment to be able to work well. And next is, woman, what are you still doing there? Give me that thing now. How about that document I asked you? Like, are you not, um, there's some inconsistency here. That's the authoritarian. The second one, um, their motivation is really about approval. 
In fact, they're called, they're called the trickster. This one is really is, um, they're annoying because, like the authoritarian, they only care about themselves. But the authoritarian does not care about how the employees feel about him. The authoritarian just fires at you. This one, they care about themselves, but they also really care about how their employees feel about them. They want them to affirm them. So they stylishly violate rules, and they master the art of manipulation. That is, whilst the authoritarian says, how dare you refuse to obey me? This other one is, don't you feel good about obeying me? These are the ones that are able, they are smooth talkers. They will call into their office, David, man, your work this last six months, I have never had an employee that has worked like this here. It, it, it's outstanding. Man, honestly, if I was like one of the top five companies here, I would, I would take you, I would carry you, put you through, through to management. You are excellent. <laughs> Your value to this company, <laughs> somebody's heard this. Your value to this company is, is absolutely great. I mean, it's wonderful. I just wish other people worked like you here. And the problem now is because they are not pulling their weight, we're actually making losses. David, can I ask you, please? <laughs> can we cut? And you, it's, your choice really bothered. It means something to me. Can we cut your salary by 25%? <laughs> And David at that point feels like, oh, and I'm very valuable here. And this man, yeah. All right, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And then he walks out. He goes home and he tells his wife, ah, darling, uh, my salary has been cut by 25. By what? <laughs> Why? No, but you, feel, you, you have to understand, I'm a very good worker. He affirmed me. And oh, my God. Yeah. That is, they're able to constantly ask you to keep giving for the company. They don't sacrifice, and yet they still want you to like them on top of it. Do you know any boss like that? <laughs> if any of the staff of City Church answer yes, you'll be in trouble. <laughs> but they do other things. They keep moving the goalpost on wage increase. Don't worry, we'll increase the salary. Don't worry. They keep promising, but they keep moving it. They ask for sacrifices they don't make. They gossip. What has this person, this is what this person told you. In fact, they, they rule by divide and conquer. They promise development opportunities, but don't follow through. And be careful, they hug a lot. And why I say they hug a lot, be careful, is because as they're hugging you, they're backstabbing you. They really do care about only, they care about themselves. And they care about themselves so much that even though they are, even though they are, uh, what's the word? Even though they're not treating you well, they still want you to affirm them while doing it. So, are you an earthly-minded boss? You say no. Now, there are five ways for you to test. All right, five. Um, one, you are uncomfortable at leave requests. You know this. Oh, yeah, raise up your hand. All you bosses. You get the leave application, and the first thing is like, why? 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 You don't say, but you know, you're just uncomfortable. And you try to look for a way to... The person has, you said your policy is two weeks before. The person put it five weeks before. <laughs> There's nothing that's coming around, but why, why do you want to? Is it that you don't care about this company? It's in leave now. It's in the contract. It's there. And it helps the person. Second, you're uncomfortable. Your subordinate leaves before. This one is Nigeria. Like, this Lagos. You go into bank. You see people sitting down. They're not doing anything. They're on solitaire. They're mind... Why are you not going? It's 8 o'clock. How can I go? My boss has not gone. And that boss too is sitting there and is, is marking the people that are leaving. You are going up. 
They're just uncomfortable that they're leaving you. They've finished, they've delivered everything you asked for, but they can't go whilst you are here. Third, you are satisfied at only criticizing and never encouraging. That is, you are happy. You are happy just telling them constantly what is it that they are not doing well. But you never encourage them really about the things that they've been doing well, which is very related to the fourth one. You feel better after yelling. Have you, you know yelling bosses, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the one that slightly raised their voice and tells you they're disappointed, how could you do this? Like, literally like they're talking to their younger uh, brothers and sisters, and I'm, I'm not even advocating that you should be yelling at your brothers and sisters, younger brothers and sisters, even though sometimes they, they, they need it. But <laughs> these ones, like they're shouting, and they're insulting, and it's almost like they do it to appease their wrath. Because after they've done it, ah, ah, Emmanuel, you're looking sad now today. <laughs> Sweet Emmanuel is like, just don't, don't. Just leave me alone. And you never apologize. That's your way of trying to apologize. You come back. Shouting on people as though they're not human beings made in the image of God. And then final one. You only promise or recommend salary increases when asked. People need to fight for it. There's no, you don't follow any kind of policy. You say this person has done very, very well, excellent, and things are okay with the company, enough. You don't even try to move things around to be able to see how can we give these people an increase. If you are doing this, maybe you should consider they are not being heavily minded in your leadership. You see, whereas where earthly-minded bosses treat their subordinates unjustly and unfairly because they are not accountable to any other transcendent boss for their behavior, heavenly-minded bosses treat their subordinates justly and fairly because they have a heavenly boss who treated them justly and fairly. Look at verse 1 again of chapter 4. Masters provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. You also have a master in heaven. In other words, they're subordinate bosses. Let me give you an example. 1 Peter 5, Peter tells um, the, the, the elders or the pastors of church, he says, shepherds, elders and shepherds, right? Shepherd God's flock because you know, because there is one great shepherd or the chief shepherd. When he shall appear, you shall also receive a crown of glory. In other words, he's saying that the shepherds, the pastors of the churches are under shepherds. They are shepherds under the chief shepherd. You know what Paul is saying here? If you're a boss, you're actually an underboss. You should have, a, a, even if you are the CEO of your company, even if you are the founder, you know founder, that's what we love here. Or my best, you see LinkedIn, some people, they can't write CEO, they can't write founder, you all say owner. Right? Even if you are owner. All right. God is saying, Paul is saying here that you are an under owner. And so how do you want to be treated? Go ahead and treat your people that way. In other words, two things you must think about, the job conditions and the job's wages. Be fair and just with them. So with the job conditions, set your people up to succeed. Don't give them very difficult circumstances and then try to say, I want to see the best. The best is the one that thrives despite how difficult these circumstances are to maximize profit. 
set them up to succeed. Don't only see your, your, your P&L, your, your profit and loss as your only aim. How about the development of these people? So let them have good computers, good office chairs, reasonable opportunities to develop and grow. Encourage their taking of leave. Some people still feel guilty that they're taking leave. Encourage a lot, and also, you know what? Care about their lives. Now, don't get me wrong. You're not their therapist. You're not their pastor. But you also have a human relationship with them. And many times, what's going on at home or going on in, um, you know, outside of the office does affect what's going on in the office. Then, with the wages, don't just do what others are doing. If you're just doing what others are doing, it may be fair, but it may not be just. That is, it may be fair like when you compare with other people, but really, is this a living wage? Don't say everybody, at this, uh, this, everybody pays their driver 20,000, so that's all I can do, 20,000. Really, and the guy lives at Akonjo, and you, you live at Aja, 20,000, and then you start complaining that the guy didn't come today, or he lied about not coming. To, I mean, it does, the transportation in North cannot even get him there. It's better not to employ him. You say, yeah, but I know this other person is giving their own driver 25000 The fact that you, you look at what everybody is doing doesn't mean that it is just. And at the same time, in converse, don't just do what you think is right. Because it may be just to you, but it may not be fair. That is, you may be going from a certain kind of bias, ah, just to, for, this, for this thing. I know others are paying. They say that's best practice, but ah. I'm sure I can find somebody that can do this at this amount. All right, so let's, I, I was, no, I'm not going to use that example. But really, these are the kind of bosses people are looking for, heavenly-minded bosses, people who consider the conditions, the working conditions of their subordinates and also their wages to, to ensure that they are working in a garden atmosphere. How would you like a heavenly-minded boss? How much do you want to be a heavenly-minded boss? Brings me to my last point. Heavenly servant master. Some of us have looked at it and said, you know what? I feel very condemned, particularly when I look at verse 25. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. No favoritism to the boss, no favoritism to the subordinate. If you are doing wrong, this is how serious, many people don't see this. This is how serious how we treat our jobs are. Most of us just see it as it's not my job. It has uh, the consequences or lack or the benefits have to do with here. Paul is saying that if you are serving someone who is an eternal boss, guess what? It matters for eternity. And say, yepa, I have missed it. And I don't think I can actually do it. Or some of us are saying, eh, hey, thank God he has just described me in those heavenly categories. I'm very fine. I'm wonderful. Because I'm a fantastic boss, and also I'm a very good subordinate. So Jesus must accept me. You've missed the point. You see, what Paul is saying by constantly appealing to Jesus Christ is that he's trying to change, he's trying to say you cannot continue to be like the very, every Lagosian boss or every Lagosian subordinate. In fact, he summarizes everything in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 22. He says, for the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord, is the Lord's freed person. That if you were a slave, but you were called, you have already become a freed person in Christ. But it then says, the one who was free when called is Christ's slave. 
So Christ transforms our way of thinking. You don't start thinking, I'm this boss, I can just rule over everything, or you don't start thinking, I'm this worthless subordinate. Christ is the one that changes everything. And how does he change everything? He changes it in the gospel. In Isaiah, there are these famous um, passages. They're called the seven songs of Isaiah. The first of which is Isaiah 42, Isaiah 49, 50, and 53. The first is 42. And it tells us something about what the promised Messiah, who we now know is Jesus Christ, was going to do. You see, because when God sent his son into the world, yes, we'll say he sent him for redemption. But many times we refer to it as the work of redemption. Why? Because that was Jesus' job. It was actually his job. That is why he's called the servant. See what Isaiah 42 says. Here is my servant. So you think about I'm just a subordinate, I'm a subordinate, I'm worthless. Here is Jesus Christ being referred to as what? A servant. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on the earth. Do you notice the interplay? Bosses do what is just. He will establish justice. And yet he is a servant who does not falter in his work. And when he is ruling over those who he has ruled over, guess what? When he sees them as a bruised reed, he doesn't with his words and action break them. He's tender to make them stand again. When he sees that the smoke of one is being flamed out because of one difficult circumstance, he doesn't say, look, I don't care about this. I just want the work to be done. He says, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Paul keeps appealing to Jesus Christ as a standard. Why? Because in the gospel of Christ, he shows us how to be a good subordinate and how to be a good boss. Because of what Jesus has done, you should not fear condemnation because you failed. Come to him because of his work and then follow him by doing your own work better. You are a subordinate, you can obey this command because in Jesus' redemptive work for you, he did not cut any corners. So don't cut corners. If you're a boss, you can follow this command to treat your people justly and fairly because he treats you far better than you deserve. Jesus is the heavenly servant master we all need to be heavenly minded subordinates and bosses that we are called to be. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.